Also, a mistake that I make is just thinking about myself and thinking, how much time do I need to to work on this project? And forgetting that there's also time needed from the client. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name's Charlie. And I'm Femke. In this episode, we're going to talk about project scoping. And what we mean by project scoping is how to figure out how much work might be involved or how much time it might take you to complete a project. So I'm pretty sure we're going to talk both about freelancing and from a sort of Uh, work in-house work perspective as well so we'll probably touch on it from both of those angles and we also have some really lovely comments from our listeners in the community and they also had some tips and some thoughts to share so I'm sure we'll be sharing those as well throughout this episode so whether you're a freelancer or whether you're working full-time somewhere hopefully you'll uh, get some value from today's episode. Before we kick off with episodeness uh, how are you Charlie how are things going? I love that episodeness, inventing a new word on the fly. <laughs> Things are going good. I feel like I'm finally getting my groove back. I've been in a bit of a funk the past few weeks, as uh, everyone has probably been able to tell from our episodes and the feelings angles they've been taking. <laughs> yes, a lot of feelings in the last month or so. Yeah, but I feel like I'm getting back on track. I hope this continues to keep going. I don't know, I've just been having some ideas lately of how I want to shape my projects in the future and yeah not feeling quite so overwhelmed by everything so that is definitely a bonus that is good I'm glad to hear that you've kind of come come out through that with a more positive positive perspective on the other side because it can feel pretty overwhelming and be a little bit hard to get out of that funk when you're in the middle of it yeah totally yes pleased to be past it how about you though how's things going Things are going pretty good. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the community and talking to everyone in there has been really cool. And I have like a lot of things in my mind that I really want to work on for my newsletter and for my personal website. And I'm at the point where I've got so many ideas that I just need to, I think, pick a couple to start with or maybe do a little bit of like strategic planning or thinking about how all of the things that I want to do sort of work together and find a good starting point because I've got all these different things and my brain is kind of tugging me in all different directions thinking, oh, well, you could start here or start here. But I think I need to sort of take a step back and almost have like a big whiteboard session with myself to just get all of my thoughts out and see how everything connects with each other and find a good starting place from there. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, that's an exciting place to be in though when you've got too many ideas, right? Rather than not enough. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I, I tend to be one of those people where I come up with a new idea for something when I'm in the middle of something else. Yes. Like I'm halfway through doing or completing something, whether that's working towards a goal or something, and I'll get halfway through and uncover an idea or a a new opportunity to do something. And then I get really, really excited about that. And I start getting a little bit sidetracked or distracted with this new thing that I don't really come back and finish the first thing. So I've kind of been having a lot of that recently where I've just been jumping between things and not really, you know, giving it a little bit more thought. So that's kind of a summary of my brain. (laughs) At the Sounds moment. like our next episode needs to be shiny object syndrome then. Oh, I, I like the title of that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Shiny Let's object <laughs> syndrome. 
Cool. <laughs> Let's do it next time. <laughs> this episode, though, we're going to talk about scoping projects. Obviously, well, I, I think it's pretty obvious why it's important to scope a project, but I don't know. Can you explain, put it into words, the importance of, of this step in the freelancing process? I think the the things that come to mind for me in terms of importance when it comes to project scoping is, first of all, I think managing expectations. Yeah, that's um, a good one. And also I think... Uh, I don't know if managing communication is the right way to say it, but just being clear on communication, which I guess kind of ties into expectations. So uh, managing expectation and then communicating that expectation. Uh, And I think also just maybe being, being aware of your responsibility and tying all of those, all those sort of three things together of responsibility, expectation, and communication, all of those three things I think are really important when it comes to project scoping because, I don't know, I feel like as a freelancer, our job, I suppose, is really to talk a lot with the client and get a good understanding for what the project is and therefore come up with a, with a good scope for it. Although in my experience, the most sort of successful project scoping sessions have been when I've done it with the client, sort of right. we work on it together rather than them just being like, here's a brief, can you like come up with a scope and come back to me about it? I've found more success in managing the expectations and coming up with something that's realistic when we work on it together. That makes sense too. And I don't think you mentioned the biggest reason that I think scoping is important, but it's obviously to figure out how much to charge the client. Oh, yes. You've got to figure out how much of your time it's going to take. And so, therefore, yeah, how much you should charge. But I think that one's so obvious that perhaps you didn't mention it because yes, it was sorry. so obvious. Yes, it was like, it's, you know, when the most obvious thing is like staring you in the face and you still yeah. can't see it. Yeah. yeah, that has a word, but I can't remember. No. Occam's razor, I think it is. What? Wait, know. what did anyway. you just say? <laughs> Occam's razor. I, I swear I've it's never heard of that. Okay. Well, that obviously is also very, very important because, I mean, if you don't understand the scope or develop a scope for the project, how on earth are you going to be able to plan your time and come up with a price and manage those expectations there that come with that? That obviously is going to be very, very difficult if you do not scope the project first. You know what? Scoping, I think for me is the part I find the most tricky still of the freelancing process, like communicating with clients I'm fine with, uh, uncovering their needs. I feel like I'm pretty good with asking the right questions there. Doing the work, obviously, I'm quite confident at, but yeah, scoping the project and feeling confident that I have estimated the right time frame, you know, and, and captured everything that needs to go into it. That's the part that I still find the hardest. I don't know. Do you struggle with that at all or... I guess you've done more freelancing than me, so perhaps you've got more practice at it. I think it definitely is something that you learn at by doing. So yeah. you, you get better at it over time. As, as you do more and more projects, you kind of get a better understanding of how long things might take or how much to charge for this thing because you've done it before. And when you do something before, you get that opportunity to learn from your mistakes. So having done a few projects I found that as I went along and each time I got a new project with a client I got slightly better at scoping the project or at judging what the scope would be for the project so I do think it's something that comes with time and with Mm. practice I guess but if 
if you're starting out, then that is definitely very, very difficult. I mean, how do you know how long something's going to take you if you've never done it before? So that can definitely be a challenge, I think, if you're new to freelancing or or also I think it can be challenging if you don't know your own worth or know your own value as well. That's true. I remember like, so before I'd done a branding project, right? for a freelance client, I had no idea how to scope that because it's not something that I'd sat down and done from start to finish before, you know, creating a brand and Mm -hmm. figuring out all the logo assets and things like that. And so I did a lot of Googling, like, how long should it take to design a logo? And that's how I basically based my estimation. Because, I mean, what else did I have to go on? I'd never done it before, so it was a total guess. But, yeah, now I've got that baseline and I know how long it took me because I tracked my time while I was doing it so that next time I'd have that to look back on and and be aware of how long it took. But yeah, to start with, it is a guess. (laughs) Totally. I would guess as well all the time. I, when I started with new, new types of projects. So the first time I did a more sort of product design focus UX project Mm -hmm. when in the past I'd only done marketing stuff. So like websites and landing pages, I just had no idea how much time it would take me. Uh, And I think if I remember correctly at the time uh, the client suggested a deadline and I was just like okay sure like not a problem (laughs) and uh, yeah it was pretty tight in the end so I learned from that one but it is really difficult when you're starting out to know how long not not just how long something's going to take but also what's required of you as well can be really difficult and I would always and I still do this (laughs) As much as I try to learn from my mistakes, sometimes it takes a little long. Uh, but I would always underestimate the amount of time and and effort spent, like writing emails to the client, having calls with the client, talking and discussing the project, the kind of more admin side of things, like not just the design part, but also all of the communication around it that sort of comes with it as well. I always underestimate how how not just how long that takes but also the sort of mental effort required for that as well yes and that's important to include in your project scope like obviously it's not something you're going to detail to the client and put down like two hours spent emailing right exactly they don't need to know that that's what's happening you just need to build that into your price and make sure that you're being paid for any time you're spending on this project do you know what what helped me with with scoping was I've talked about this before the new school designers pricing class oh that's right I took this to figure out it was actually the same branding project that I mentioned before like suddenly I needed to work out how much to charge for this thing and so yeah this class really helped me out but something that I learned within it or that you know that I now do because of it is really break down the process and think through step by step so you, th- you don't, I'm not thinking about, okay, how long will it take me to design a logo? I break it down. And I'm like, okay, how much time do I want to set aside for researching? How much time do I want to set aside for some quick thumbnail sketches? How much time then set aside for vectorizing the ones that I like the best, you know? And when you break it down the process like that, it becomes easier to have, make a guesstimation, you know, of how long it will take. So that would definitely be my advice for, for when you're approaching a project that, is new to you and that you've not charged someone before or maybe not even done before so you don't have any idea because you you might have done some of the steps within it you know like even though I hadn't designed a full branding package for someone I had definitely done research I had definitely created thumbnail sketches you know and all these bits that went into it so question then does that change project to project or once you've kind of established like this is roughly how much time it takes me to design a website do you kind of like 
just apply that to all of your projects? Well, not really, because it, every website is going to be different, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe per web page you could think that, but then it depends on what you're starting with, like how much information you have to go on, or if you know the content is already sorted and you're just laying it out, or if you have to be thinking about the content as well. I think that it's different per project, and I always I never just go with exactly what it took me last time. I always want to think through. And yeah, mm-hmm. estimate that way for that specific project. Is that your approach too? What I, I like your approach. It's not quite the same as what I have done. Okay, tell me what you do. What I do as a, I do this sort of to give me like a good starting base. And so what I do is I actually time track my projects. Yep. And that way, when I get to the end, I can look at how much time I spent on each thing. So I don't just time track, uh, you know, Charlie's website I, I break it down into the different things. So I might time track, uh, you know, wireframing for that. And then I might might time track a meeting that we had. So I sort of break it down to the individual tasks, which is kind of similar to what you were just saying. And then what I do is at the end of the project, I can look at where my time was spent throughout the project and on what what parts of the process was where, was where I spent my most time and also just how much time overall was spent on the project. And that kind of gives me a good indicator of when I compare that to how much I charged for the project, a good indicator of whether I was kind of on the mark or totally underestimated or overestimated how much time and effort it would take me to do the project. And I kind of try and learn from that for next time. So next time I have a another project that might be similar, like, you know, someone else wants a website, obviously it's different. They've got different content, whatever. Uh, but I kind of will look back at, okay, well, how long did it take me to do that project for that person? And how much time did I spend in these different areas? And then kind of obviously adapt it from there, depending on the specific requests or requirements of that project. That makes sense. And that's smart. Do you use Toggle for time tracking? Yes, I do. Do you? Same. And because when you were talking about how you will track the different parts within a project, Toggle makes that really easy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's why I like it. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes, how about, if anyone is looking for a time tracker. Yes. We're the type of nerds who do that sort of thing. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we are. And I'm pretty sure they, they have a free plan because I've been using it for a while and have never paid a dollar. So yeah, yeah, they do. Same. pretty sweet deal. Very sweet indeed. So it sounds like you're obviously because, like you said, it's something that you get better with over time. You're pretty good with project scoping now, would you say? I'm definitely better. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't call myself an expert at project scoping yeah. <laughs> uh, because there's always something that takes longer than I thought or takes yeah. quicker than I thought would take. So I'm always off the mark somewhere. Well, I want to hear what is a situation where project scoping went horribly wrong and what did you learn from it? Oh, trying to think. So... For me, if I think to a project that I had that took longer than I thought it was going to take, what actually happened was there was a lot of scope creep. Right. Ooh, I feel like I need to add like ghost sound effects or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, So what happened was I kind of let that go out of hand a little bit. Uh, The client sort of kept, you know, they would see the progress and then that would sort of like spark a new idea for them so then they'd be like oh well I saw you know great work it looks really cool Uh, after looking at it I now think like what if we did this or what if we added that and slowly and slowly 
you know, while the suggestions were really good and the ideas were really great and it made sense, uh, it wasn't sort of in the original scope. And so it just kind of kept creeping a little bit and eventually took a lot longer than what I thought it was going to take. Dang. So what? how did you approach the next project then after learning from this scope creep? Like, what do you do now to prevent that from happening? Now I'm just super clear and super informative of what is included in the project in terms of deliverables, revision rounds, and also like giving a super clear description of the project as well, sort of highlighting this is what this project is for and these things are going to be included in this project. And I had one project recently where I'd I'd sort of outlined all of that and then we started getting to the point where if we'd kept going, it would have started to creep a little bit too much. And so at that point, I said to them, you know, I I was super clear. I was like, okay, one more round of revision. uh, Otherwise, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to charge extra or something because we're going beyond scope, etc. And they were super, super fine with it. They're like, oh, of course, thank you. You know, don't want to waste your time or go beyond the expectations that we set. So it was fine. I tried to be super professional and super friendly about it, which I think is always important. But I, I guess for me, I'm just now super aware of that potentially happening and how I can avoid it happening. That makes sense. And I'm glad that your client was like so good about not pushing it. You yes. Know? But obviously clients are going to want to get as much value out of you as they can. So they are going to keep pushing right up to that limit. Can I share one of my yeah, yeah, yeah. project I was scoping ask. horror stories? Yes, please. Oh, I like horror stories. Okay, go. Well, yeah. I'm being a little bit dramatic here, but still. <laughs> so this was a series of videos I created for the Adobe channel. And... So I gave them a price for how much it would cost to make three videos and then upload on their channel. And I was fairly okay with that. But then they came back to me and were like, oh, and also we want to send you a Windows laptop to do these on. That should have been like, I should have right then and there been like, oh, right. I need to reevaluate my price then based Mm, on this. Right. Instead, I was like, oh, we've already agreed. So like, we're just going to keep going. And this is something else to add. It ended up taking much longer than I thought because there was the, first of all, I was using a Windows computer and it crashed on me and died several times. And also there was the learning, like, wait, what's the word here? The learning time they needed to put into it to get to know how to how the Mac operated, sorry, how the PC operated <laughs> and, and how to record the screen on it and like all these things that I just already knew on my Mac and wouldn't have been a problem suddenly became a problem. And they became something that I was spending extra time on. And so I should have been charging extra to use a tool that I wasn't familiar with. And yeah, so now I have learned from that. And if that happens again in the future, if like something gets added after we've already agreed on something, I'm going to feel confident to say, okay, well, this is a new addition like to the scope. So we need to reevaluate. Yeah, definitely learn my lesson there. Mm, At at the time when they suddenly told you, oh, by the way, here's this PC you have to use. Did you question that at all? Or did you just take it thinking it wasn't going to affect the project at all, really? I think I didn't really question them about it. No, because they, the way they said it was like, oh, and we're partnering with Microsoft Surface. So we have to use this for the project. And I was like, oh, right. That's just a thing I have to do then, I guess. Right. Okay. But yeah, I wish, I wish that I'd said something now. Yeah. Because I suppose at the time they probably thought, oh, whoops, this just little detail that we forgot to add. But actually that really does change things quite a lot for you. Yeah. And because they were sending the computer, you know, so it wasn't like, 
it was putting me out to buy it or anything like that. They, I, I assume that they thought it wouldn't have been a problem, which, yeah, I can see how they would have thought that. Mm, yeah. It's hard to avoid those things sometimes, right? And I guess clients don't always realize what could, what those like potential, I don't want to say barriers, but uh, I guess you know those things that they just throw in there, thinking, "Oh, well, this not this is not going to make a difference at all because it's just this extra thing." Like, "Oh, we'll just give her a new laptop. How's that going to be a problem?" Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to avoid those, or I guess the client doesn't realize when they're doing that, when they're sort of adding a, a spanner in the works to your project. Totally. I I like to make sure I like you detail exactly what the output of the project is going to be in my proposal now mm. too because I had a couple of times where like I'd create a logo for someone and then be like oh can I have it at this this and this size for social media and I'm oh. like okay well that's actually extra time for me to lay these out now so now I upfront will like check if that's something they want and make sure it's included in my scope and included like written on the proposal as one of the deliverables and I point out in my contract that anything that's not in the deliverables will not be done so if they need something else that's not in there they need to tell me now before we get started on the project yeah it's so easy for those little things to crop up like I was doing a project for a client and I had to work with one of their brand assets and while I was doing so they were like oh well while you're doing that can you just change this thing on our brand asset and then send it back to us as a transparent png and I was like no, <laughs> this is not exactly That's what you had me for. Yeah, like things like that that just kind of get thrown in. Like, oh, while you're at it, you know, while you've got the file open or while you've got this and you've obviously got the skills, can you just do this one little thing for us or export this thing? And so that's why I'm always where I always try as much as possible to be really clear in my deliverables and really spell it out. Like this is what you're going to get. This is what's included in this project. And anything that falls outside of that, I'm happy to discuss it. We can either talk about adding it into the project or talk about it after this one's completed. That makes sense. I'm just thinking too that project scoping is especially important for us because we charge based on project, not by the hour. I think if you charge by the hour, obviously your client wants to have an estimate up front of how much the project will end up costing them. So you do have to do some scoping, obviously, but if it goes over, you can keep charging them extra because you're just charging by the hour. But when you're charging per project and you've agreed on this price and perhaps the client's paid you already, you have to be really careful about scope creep and make sure that you've got it all sorted beforehand. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's easier or harder to manage if you're charging by the hour or a total upfront project fee. I mean, I only have experience with charging project fees and not by the hour I don't know if it's easier if you're charging by the hour and maybe you said oh it's going to take me 10 hours but in the end it took you 20 do you just add an extra 10 hours onto your invoice and like not say anything I don't really know how that like what the good thing to do in that situation is I think you have to keep your client up to date with where where you're at uh, with the hours because I think they'd definitely say something if suddenly it cost double you know what you originally said yeah it's going to cost hmm Interesting. I want to bring in some messages from our community members because a few of them had some really good advice to share. Raf said that I think the important thing about project scoping is to understand what the main elements are that can multiply your efforts and do something to fix and guarantee that those are controlled. So how I take this is to think that 
when you're evaluating the project scope, you're evaluating what are these wildcard variables that if they change, could it really affect the whole thing? He gave some examples where like, because uh, he's part of a, a animation studio, he does the illustration side of things. So he says that when creating an animation, he knows that the script, like whatever the voiceover has to be, if that has some tweaks to it, that's not really going to affect him that much. But things like the illustration and the estimated complexity of the animation, that can really throw things off. So those are the things that need to be tightly controlled beforehand. Yeah, he also talked about storyboarding and how he uses Mm. storyboarding early on to sort of lock in the illustrations, which makes sense because you don't want to get all the way through creating all of these illustrations only for the client to to change their mind on something. Yeah, after they've already been animated. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the worst. Uh, But something that I've heard people doing, and I've never done this before, so I don't have any experience as to whether this is good or, or whether it works well, but I've heard of some people actually setting sort of small deadlines throughout the project and actually communicating those with your client to keep each other accountable. So I don't know, maybe the project has a three-month window and the deadline is in three months time maybe together you decide okay well in two weeks time we'll have the storyboards signed off Uh, in four weeks time we'll have the draft illustrations and kind of work together towards those dates I don't yeah I don't know if that works well or not because I haven't done it before but I know some people do that uh, as a way to kind of keep everyone uh, you know on board with what's happening and also to not cause delays which is something that I think really easily extends the amount of time that a project can take. So I don't know, maybe that is something worth trying for people that are having trouble maybe getting feedback from your client or keeping the momentum of a project going. Yeah, this is something that I do actually. I lay it out in my contract what the different dates are for specific deadline points within the project. So for example, this one project I was first it was the brand, but also email templates and like a website skin. So I set deadline points for when I was going to have uh, the first round of the brand completed and when they needed to give me feedback by so that I could then complete the brand in time to move on to the email templates and so on. Basically just breaking down, working from the deadline backwards and figuring out how much time I need for each thing and building in space for feedback. That's yeah how I figure out what deadline I can meet. And did it, did it help? Like, did it help with... Yeah, totally. Oh, cool. Because they knew up front when stuff was going to be expected of them. They didn't have to question like, hey, where are we at with this? Because they know, oh, we can expect an email from her on this date with our drafts because that's what it says in the contract. And so I think it's a great thing to do and would definitely recommend it. Cool. Another thing I like that Raf has said, he is full of good advice for this one, isn't he? Uh, he said that they always share mood boards when sending the final price to the client because this way they're guaranteeing that the illustration at least won't be more complex than they're already estimating. So they're sending a mood board of images that are, you know, similar in complexity and style perhaps to what they'll be creating for the client. And that way, you know, the client isn't going to come back and say, oh no, actually I want this super detailed, you know, hand-drawn thing, not this simple vector that you've you've shown. I've, I've never done this, but I've heard that this is quite common for illustrators and animators Yeah, it makes sense for them, right? Yeah, I I think so. Like before you actually really start working on the project, I I guess this is part of that their process is to 
do a quick rough sketch or concept or something and, and share that or attach that to your proposal uh, to just sort of show like this is what my thinkings are and this is kind of the style and the direction it will go. I think that sort of helps to manage those expectations as well when it comes to the scope of the project. But from from the kind of work that I do, which is more sort of web design, digital design focused, I haven't really done that before. Um, usually when I work on a mood board, it is after the contract's been signed and it's sort of the beginning, early stage part of my design process. Mm. Uh, so I haven't really considered doing that earlier on, but I don't know, maybe there's something that I, I could try. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense not to do it for web design. I don't think it's necessary there because it is more about the user experience mm. and the then the style you know, arranging the information for a certain action to happen you know yeah obviously the style and visuals are really important too but the most important part is how it works yeah that's true Ryan, who is also in the community, said that for most projects I get involved with, I always try and figure out how clear the vision for the project is from the point of view of the client. Oftentimes, those who have identified the need but not given it much thought are more difficult to work with as they can sway from pillar to post on the final outcome, which in turn impacts the success of the project for both timeline and profitability. So I think what he's trying to say here is that for him, it's quite important to make sure that the client has a bit more of a, or, or not only a vision of the outcome of the project, but also understands a little bit how how he, Ryan, can bring added value into it from his, mm. his uh, skill set. Yeah, this for me is a really good benefit of going through the project scoping process because you can identify red flags within it and identify bad clients if the client is I don't know I had someone emailing the other day and I you know they said hey I want to work on this thing and I went back with some questions as I normally do and they replied I asked them a couple more clarifying questions because obviously I need to get all of the information possible to to get to the bottom of this and their reply didn't really answer it and so, yeah, I had to clarify. And then they replied again, saying something not very useful and then said something like, I hope this answers all your questions uh, and that you can give me a quote now. Meaning like, oh, like stop asking up. me questions, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Mm. So for me, I was like, okay, this guy doesn't, A, can't really explain to me what he wants. And so it's going to be really hard for me to figure out exactly how to give him value when he doesn't even know what he wants yet. And B, if that's your attitude, probably don't want to work with you then. <laughs> and so Good. Because we were going through the scoping phase and I was asking my questions, I figured that out. Yeah, I mean, at least you figured it out now and not halfway through doing the project with them that exactly. they didn't really have much of an understanding or, or they didn't really know what they wanted. And I do this as well. I try to sort of filter out the ones that don't really actually know or understand what they want or what my role is in the project. So what I usually tend to do is similar to you, I ask questions, but I have it more sort of outlined in a, in a document, like a questionnaire that they can go and answer, which I hope makes it a little bit easier than trying to answer it in an email. But I mean, I, I too have had potential clients that as soon as you start asking detailed questions about the project, so you can get a good understanding of the scope, just like don't don't want to talk about it all they want from yeah, you is a price <laughs> yeah and it's like how can I give you a price when I don't understand the project or you haven't communicated well enough what you actually need and what you actually require so if a client is doing that to you then I think that's massive red flags 
Yeah, totally. And so that's, uh, yeah, I think what Ryan is talking about in his comment there is that going through the scoping, you figure out how clear the client actually is on what's involved in this project. Yeah. Simon talked about creep in his reply to us as well, and his advice is to always overestimate time to account for creep and don't rush the discovery stage, so this asking questions like we were just talking about, because that way you can try and stop creep from happening in the first place. Makes yeah, sense, right? That totally makes sense, and it, it is something that I try and do with every prospective client but yeah sometimes you just get those ones that uh you know don't really want to want to discuss it with you for some reason or just feel like maybe you're wasting their time with all of these questions and I mean at least you find that out early on in this discoverability discovery sort of stage and not later on so I I think also what Simon says about overestimating time I tend to do that as well a little bit I always think that I can do things a lot faster than I actually can. Sometimes life gets in the way. Maybe you get sick. Maybe your client gets sick. Maybe suddenly you have, you know, something else that's really a priority that comes up in the middle, like a family thing, or maybe someone, something happens. And so I always try to overestimate a little bit the time and add on a little bit or give myself a little bit more extra time than I think is necessary. And if it so happens that you actually finish it earlier than what you thought that's a great thing anyway because you can go back to the client a little bit earlier and be like I'm done everything's ready earlier than we expected and usually they're really stoked about that this is my biggest flaw I think when it comes to my work projects is being way too optimistic about how much time something will take so when I'm setting deadlines because I pretty much set them for myself with the projects that I need to work on unless something's launching or you know there's it's coming from something external but for the most part, it's more of a case of when do I think I can get this done by? Okay, let's set that deadline so that we can, you know, have something to aim for. And inevitably, something else will come up that will then impact that timing. Like, I don't know, I didn't expect that I would also be having to work on this project at the same time as this other one. And so that's a h another whole project added to the mix. So I only can spend 50% of my time on this other one now, but I've already set the deadline. And yeah, I need to get better at thinking about all these outside impacts that could be had on a project and not just simply thinking about the time it will take to do that one project. Yeah, and also a mistake that I make is just thinking about myself and thinking how much time do I need to to work on this project and forgetting that there's also time needed from the client. True. You need their feedback. Maybe you have a half an hour or one hour call to talk about revisions or or talk more, more about the project and so I always make the mistake of only thinking about the time required for me to do sort of the actual design work and maybe a little bit of administration and forget oh yeah there's probably going to be times where the client's going to want to jump on a call to talk about stuff and that might happen two three times and so I have to kind of keep that in mind as well that you know, things could come up from their side that they want to talk about or discuss with you that you didn't sort of expect. This is as well why I detail those deadlines in my contract for various points of the project, because I, it makes me think about the client feedback time too, because often the client can't give feedback straight away. And it always blows my mind that they're not interested in looking at the work that they're paying me for just yet. <laughs> but still, sometimes they can take a while to get back to you. And so I like to allow like, set the number of days they've got for feedback and then it says in my contract that if they delay this like the whole deadline will be shifted by the number of days that they're not meeting their feedback deadline so that's just a way to make sure that I'm not having to scramble at the last second because they've taken you know three days longer than I thought to get back to me 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's a really smart way to do it. So any last words of advice, I guess, for project scoping? Because like we talked about at the start, it is one of the most difficult things when you're getting started and you haven't done the projects yet to have that baseline for. How would you recommend people go about learning and getting that baseline? Mm, I mean, as I said at the start of this episode, I think the best way to learn is just by trying it and you'll learn or you'll get better at it with each project. To start with, I would recommend giving yourself more time than you think you need. So if you're trying to figure out how much time a project is going to take, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer than what you initially think. So just add on a little bit of extra time to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room in case something unexpected happens throughout the project that you weren't quite uh, expecting was going to happen. So that's probably my advice is just give yourself some extra time. Also, I'd say to really Uh, communicate a lot with the client in that discovery stage. So ask them a lot about the project and try and make sure you have a really good understanding of what the, what the needs are and what they require and what the deliverables, what the deliverables, what the deliverables are that are going to be required from you and make sure that you're super communicative about those as well and really list them out and make sure that they understand what they're getting from you. I would add too that just, be prepared to be wrong a bunch before you get it right. You know, don't beat yourself up too much when something goes way longer than you thought it would. Just treat it as learning for next time, you know, and we all make those mistakes and it happens. So don't feel too bad about yourself. Just make sure you learn from it. Good advice. So fam, where can people go to find more episodes like this? You can go on your computer or your phone and open up a browser and type in designlife.fm and that's our website and on there you will find all of our past 87 episodes. We're also on Apple Podcast and Overcast, you know, whatever podcasting app it is that you use. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. We're at designlife.fm on there and we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics that we talk about. We're always tweeting out questions, so get involved cool chat next week bye bye bye